High in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon, welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from the lyrics of I Can Only Imagine, written by Bart Meland of the group Mercy Me. He wrote this song as he pondered heavenly things when his father died. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine when the day comes, and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. My guest today is Kathleen Lundquist. She is a woman I met first years back when we dressed up as suffragettes because we were filming an episode of the television show America's History of the mm-hmm. Making. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. And the word suffragette, that's a really fun, interesting word. So it is a suffragette is a member of a militant women's organization in the early 20th century who was under the banner of Votes for women, they fought for the right to vote in public elections known as the women's suffrage. So we had the gowns. That's right. The fancy hat, the uh-huh. fluffy and the <laughs> fluffy. And so we met together. And actually, a really interesting tidbit about that is we were in one of the very first funeral homes in Portland. Not sure if you knew this. It was a historic barber block. It was in Southeast really? Grand Avenue. Yep, it's been an wow. east side fixture since 1890 here in Portland, Oregon. It was the Barber and Hill Mortuary. And that's where we did our show. That's amazing. Yeah, that's fun. Kathleen and I are local thespians. We have the same agent. So I have to Uh give a shout out to Damon Jones from Actors in Action. Hi, Damon. (laughs) But the the Barber Mortuary was this three-story building. And it was built by a mortician named Edward Holman here. And that name is familiar to a lot of Portland people because... Yes, familiar to me. Yes, Holman and, of course, Mm -hmm. and and that will, will give you a kind of a teaser of why that's familiar to her and just a second, because that <laughs> ties into what we're talking about today. So the ground floor of the buildings, they were always designed for the business use. The upper floors were sleeping quarters. And this building, which is down on Grand and Stark, it has become a drugstore, a Nickelodeon, multiple restaurants. And recently it was U.S. Bank. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah we were in it. I don't about. know if you remember the, the, the rich brown... It, it was gorgeous in there. Oh, I was... just remember the warmth of the wood mm. paneling everywhere, just kind of uh, enveloping you, giving you kind of this warm hug of, yeah, boy. And I remember the warm hug of you. I liked <laughs> yeah. you immediately. You were so kind. And, and you, you were, too. And you were such a good actress. Oh, bless and your I heart. And I thought, this woman is something else. So we've kept in touch. Mm-hmm. And the reason why lovely Kathleen Lundquist is here today is because she is a funeral singer. I am. I am. I'm a vocalist for funerals, uh, all sorts of uh, services, funerals, some weddings, um, and uh, mostly I'm a church musician, so I sing for church services, um, both uh, traditional and contemporary. I uh, was 
I was raised as a Baptist, so I learned my hymnody from the American Baptist Church, all the good Charles Wesley and John Wesley and Fanny Crosby and Isaac Watts and uh, all the way up to Andre Crouch and the modern, you know, praise choruses. I'm familiar with the charismatic movement. And then also recently, I've become interested in traditional forms of music, both uh, Protestant traditional forms, you know, going back to uh, the sacred harp tradition in the southern United States, the uh, vocal tradition there, and also in uh, contemporary, more liturgical sorts of forms. Um, And so I'm trained in all sorts of things. (laughs) Which is amazing, because I think when people think of funeral songs, they might think of Danny Boy or Amazing Grace. Uh Uh-huh, that's exactly right. (laughs) Can you give us a taste of something which would be kind of old-timey, something here that you've talked about? Old-timey, yeah, let's see. Um... Well, here's one that I've sung at at a funeral recently, which is, Shall We Gather at the River? And let's see. Shall we gather at the river Where those saints of old have trod? And then going on from there, and then uh, How Great Thou Art is also a big staple, which is... Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. And that's the one that has the, the um, refrain that goes, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, etc. Dare I say you do that better than Elvis? Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very kindly. That's high praise. I appreciate In my it. funeral parlor, I do have a CD of Elvis and his hymns. What was oh. the word you used? Hymnastic? What was that? Oh, uh, my hymnody. Hymnody. Yeah, hymnody in terms of which is the body of work, you know, wow. the, the, uh, the um, yeah, just uh, the, the range of the repertoire. Well, so I've got the Elvis hymnody in the parlor. And that's, oh, awesome. That is number one on the track, so it gets lots of use oh yeah 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 and I actually own I have my interesting thing is that I have a hymnal collection some people collect records some people collect comic books I collect hymnals do you steal them from churches um no I do not steal them (laughs) that defeats the purpose except except for when (laughs) it's only when um it's like they're getting rid of some and they're like getting a new one then I'll maybe grab one of the old piles. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. right, right. You're helping them out. That's right. I'm taking them off their hands. Um, but I have a huge, probably 200 hymnals uh, going back as far as, I think, like 125 years ago. I have, a, uh, I'm collecting a set of some uh, pamphlets that were actually uh, published during the late 19th century into the 20th century, the revivalist movement. Um, And there's like a little set of pamphlets that they handed out that have these, you know, great old, you know, to God be the glory, great things he hath done, you know, the kind of the old revivalist movement. And it's great. And I have, I have, 
uh, Episcopalian, I have the, Pres- the uh, Presbyterian, I have the Methodist, I have a Lutheran, <laughs> and, um, and actually it's a good resource for if somebody suggests to me a hymn that I'm not familiar with, I, I can look through what I've got, because not everything's on the internet. Yeah. Is there ever a hymn that ever comes up that you, was the last time someone's just completely floored you with something you didn't know? Um, let's see. I think it was a, a pop song that I didn't know. Because uh, I'm, I actually, you know, I lean more traditional, so I know more of that repertoire. And it's the actual, the more contemporary things that I don't But those know weren't your well. hymnals, right? No, no, uh, no. Um, but there was one that I remember um, my grandmother wanted it for my uncle's funeral. And it's a, an old hymn called The Eastern Gate um, that took me some time to find. And I found it, it's from the Dutch Reformed tradition. So it took me a little bit of digging, but I did manage to find that one. So, um, and it was lovely. And uh, it really fit well with the rest of the service. So I was happy to do that. Now, how do you know that you're singing it properly if there isn't the recording on uh, Google or something to go with? You're, I guess you're reading the, 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 new, right. the yeah. notes. The yeah. notes. Yeah, I can read music. So I, I just uh, read what's there. And if there's a particular tradition that it comes from, I can try and, you know, interpolate those sorts of things. When I'm doing an Irish folk song, you know, Danny Boy, say I can do the, you know, the, oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling, just a little bit of Irish accent. La, 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 la. You know, I can do those little things. And, it, and then, you know, with a, just a traditional hymn, I can just sing it the way I sing it. And, you know, if a person's hired me for a funeral, I mean, this is what they get. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And I work with accompanists who will also do very well to give me the feel of, you know, of a particular style of music, too. So, What the heck do you do if somebody says, I want you to sing at my dad's funeral. What do you sing? Or how do we do this? Or there's oh, just no guidance. There wasn't like right. a heritage in the family. There wasn't right. a religious preference. It's just sort of do something. Okay. Well, what I what I try to do at first is I'll try to figure out or find out who and who's presiding at the funeral um, or memorial service. Um and where, what the venue's going to be, um, so that I can kind of get a feel for um, what sort of thing might be appropriate. And if I don't know the family real well, I, um, if it's like not in a church, if it's going to be in a, in a mainstream, you know, secular sort of setting, I'll suggest both um, secular songs and sacred songs, just kind of... Uh, uh, and see, you know, which type of thing it seems appropriate for that venue and for that place. I, I do try to give people choices rather than just go ahead and make it up on my own because I want to, I do my best to try to fit in with whatever the family brings to me. So, um, so that's what I try to do. And then, um, if I get some feedback from there, or if I get another, oh, just do whatever. Um, I usually, you know, the go-tos are things like Amazing Grace and um, 
how great thou art in the sweet by and by, you know, things that are just part of American culture, you know, these days. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, I, I really like to be in the conversation with the people who, uh, are, you know, are trying to celebrate their loved one and, um, to try to figure out how I can best serve them. You know, I, it's, being part of a funeral is not about me. It's not the Kathleen Lundquist show. It's about, it's about being there for other people. And so I dedicate my skills to bring a, a reflection and a, a good memory or a, uh, I mean, I'm just part of the furniture, you know, <laughs> as a part of the way. Um, you know, it's interesting. For some people, uh, I find myself in uh, doing Catholic church funerals quite a bit. And one thing that people often request is Schubert's Ave Maria. Hmm. And the, the interesting thing about that is that it's, it's not sung at services, these days in a Catholic church, but um, there's something about it that that the current generation of of Catholics have it as part of their just emotional memory, and they've and there's a deep connection there. And so often when I sing it, it'll just kind of bring back that that memory and that feeling of family from when they were young, and and I'm happy to do that. Um, there have been some situations where that hasn't, that even people who aren't religious at all, they'll have an emotional re- uh, relationship with this song. My father-in-law was one of those people because um, he was a lover of classical music. And when my mother-in-law passed away in 2004, she had a Methodist funeral. And um, I talked to my my husband and my brothers and sisters-in-law and my father-in-law and offered, you know, to, you know, do anything, sing anything. Um, my father-in-law wanted me to sing Schubert's Ave Maria. But the thing is, it wouldn't really fit into the format of the Methodist funeral. <laughs> so I ended up singing it kind of as a prelude, and it worked out fine. It really turned out wonderful. Um, the organist at that funeral, my, my father-in-law, again, being a classical music lover, he wanted, this is a bit of a strange request in terms of talking about that sort of thing, he wanted uh, Ravel's Pavan for a Dead Princess, an instrumental version. And this is from, this is an amazing orchestral piece of music. And the organist at that Methodist church was amazing. She reduced the orchestral score and gave us a rendition of Ravel's Pavan for a Dead Princess for my mother-in-law's funeral. And that was amazing. I think that that organist is really gifted in a way to do that because um, it's, it was amazing. <laughs> Have you ever been asked to sing something in a language that was foreign to you? Not for a funeral. I was once um, asked to provide music for a conference that uh, my friends and I were part of kind of a a lay Christian study group. And 
there's a yearly conference that we have, and uh, I was asked to do music one year, and um, it's an international group. And so some of the songs that I was asked to learn were in Italian. <laughs> and so I, I learned the Italian songs. I had a friend who helped me with the pronunciation and how, you know, helped me to learn how things went and things, because not all of them were recorded again. But he sang them to me, and I learned them. Um, sometimes um, when I was uh, on the staff at one church, I ended up uh, substituting for one of the worship leaders for the Spanish language service. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, and I was familiar with the format, so I was able to, I, I know what this is. I don't really know all of the words, but I could get my, get my mouth around the vowels and consonants in this particular <laughs> order. So, and I'm, I think that's just part of the, um, you know, the musicianship that a person has to have to be flexible in that way. So I was glad to be able to do that for them. For someone who's a funeral vocalist, what constitutes the standard repertoire? Oh, well, things like we discussed, The Amazing Grace and uh, In the Sweet Bye-Bye, How Great Thou Art, I'll Fly Away is uh, also very uh -huh. popular, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, um, and and Danny Boy. <laughs> um, and, I mean, so many of these are hymns that are really focused on Christ and the resurrection and our resurrection in him. So, and, and they're even cultural touchstones for people who don't go to church anymore, you know. But um, there's, there's also the phenomenon of how um, contemporary churches may or may not, uh, like contemporary evangelical churches may or may not sing these hymns anymore. There may be, you know, they maybe do praise choruses or contemporary worship music exclusively, in which case, you know, they'll have their own kind of uh, body of, of, uh, of music to choose from. And, and it's been a while since I've done that sort of funeral. Uh, I mean, they're always uh, more celebration of life sort of thing. So it's a different sort of focus. So, um, but as I say, I'm a, I'm a quick study. I can do pretty much anything you set in front of me. <laughs> yeah, that's reassuring because I think people hire somebody to sort of help plan the funeral in a sense. And you almost work as a celebrant because you listen to the life story and sketch and mm -hmm. get a feel. Because back in the day, somebody would hand the obituary to the funeral home and say, here's our person. Well, mm -hmm. we don't do that anymore. So you can't just do the read up and say, okay, well, this is their religious background. This is their ethnic heritage. Mm -hmm. This is their very clear cut hobbies. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of vague. And I also find too, a lot of funerals no longer are in churches. They're mm -hmm. at community houses and private right. gardens and theaters and hotels mm -hmm. and pubs and sports places. Do you find it distracting at all to sing when you don't have the traditional setup of a lectern or a stage or a microphone? Nope. I love to sing however, whenever. <laughs> Consummate professional. I love that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've sung, you know, in churchyards, I've sung in VFW halls and Grange halls and um, you know, wherever whatever it is is happening, I'm happy to cuz um over the last couple years especially, I've uh, gotten involved with some choirs that sing traditional music a cappella. 
And so it's helped my ear, helped train my ear and help give me confidence with, uh, you know, you get a note and you just go. <laughs> so, Can you explain that term acapella to the listeners? Oh, acapella means, um, well, the, the general uh, meaning of it is without accompaniment. It's just the voice. The term acapella means uh, in the mode of the church or the chapel, um, which was without, used to be, without instruments, just voices. And it's, it's actually a really old tradition that is reflected not just in older Catholic and Orthodox sorts of traditions, but also in the what's called the Sacred Harp tradition, in the, um, you know, the traditional Protestants of the South and Midwest, the Ozarks, that area. They developed this whole body of hymnody that is just voices. It's like if you've ever heard the square note, singing or shape note no. singing it's um it's a very distinctive style of folk music and and uh christian religious music and it's it's fascinating um and the term sacred harp for that body of music comes from the theological idea that the holiest instrument the sacred harp if you will is the human voice so so you've recorded yourself. You actually have CDs. I you do. You write songs. You do all of this stuff. <laughs> What's that experience like? Well, yes, I have my hand in lots of different pies these days. Um, I, uh, gosh, um, I just appreciate all the opportunities that have come my way. I, um, when I first was going to school and studied music, studied piano, uh, studied voice in high school, went to college, got a music degree uh, with a focus in theory and composition. Um, and I was one of those people, a very rare sort of person who majored in music, and I didn't want to teach. <laughs> I just felt like I didn't have that gift. <laughs> um, I come from a family of where my grandfather was a, um, he was a superintendent of schools in Cowlitz County, about three quarters of my aunts, uncles, cousins are all teachers of some kind. Uh, my sister's a middle school teacher of science in the Beaverton School District, and I am not a teacher. <laughs> I just have different giftings. But um, so I've tried to take the opportunities that have come my way to um, be a, a worship leader and a contributor in the places where I've been and um, to join in other friends' recordings and be a help. Um, and that's led me to the opportunity I had to, to do the Christmas album in 2005. It was a project that was just kicking around in my head for years, and the repertoire kind of came together, and the resources came together at the right time. Um, I volunteer for the Catholic radio station here in Portland that's uh, called KBVM-FM, um, and they brought me in in 2010 to do a reading of, of, of some prayers that are called the, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, um, and it's a set of prayers that are focused on Christ and his giving of his life for us on the cross and the outpouring of love and mercy that comes through his precious blood. So um, I was able to uh, take that recording and 
get it produced for sale in 2010. Um, and right now, I am a church musician, pretty much. I used to do more out in the community doing um, coffee houses, uh, small venues, open mics. I want to get back to that. Um, but right now, I'm also a family caregiver. So that takes up a lot of space in my head and in my schedule as well. So, um, and that tempers me and has been an education for me too, uh, you know, just in my humanity to be able to uh, walk the journey with, with my mother who, uh, who has dementia and um, with another family member who's uh, severely mentally ill. And that's really been an education for me, especially, I mean, because for me as a performer, there's, you know, we, we can be surrounded by so much artifice and show. And it's so, but there's got to be something real at the heart of it. Um, and I know that my own experiences with loss have helped me to be more sincere and more real with the people that I, that I work with, that I talk to, that I sing for. And it's my prayer that that reality and, that, and the presence of God in my heart can show forth with my talent just as clothing for it, you know? Because again, it's not about me. It's about sharing the love of God and the kindness and mercy of God in, in this way. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, nice stop. What a gift. Where can people find your music? Well, um, I'm online at www.mystagogia.net. Can you spell that? Yes, it's M-Y-S-T-A-G-O-G-I-A.net mystagogia.net. There's streaming audio there of my recordings um, and a little bit of biographical information. Um, my CDs are available at Gifts of the Spirit, which is at 52nd and close to Duke Street. I don't know the exact cross street there, but Natalie Duffy can hook you up. Um, I'm also, I also sell records through CD Baby, which is a great independent music distributor in town um and uh you can contact me through the web through through my website okay so would you mind just singing us out here just a <laughs> couple bars sure amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind. But now I see.
You've been listening to KKPZ 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you so very much to my guest, funeral vocalist Kathleen Lundquist. And until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other. <laughs>